It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here, as always, with Zerlina Maxwell. But we are joined right now by singer, songwriter, superstar, Tina Shea, who has a new album, 333, Thank you so much for being here today. It's so exciting to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited. I I am very excited. And I have to say uh, to Jess, like, um, one of the things um, she knows about me is that I have, there are particular artists, and you were one of them, where I listen to you when I want to feel good. Yeah. Like, not just about, like, put me in a good mood, but, like, I want to feel good about myself. Um, because your vibe is all about like, just almost existing in a world in which men are not <laughs> threatening and dangerous um, in a lot of ways too, right? Just like yeah. having fun, truly, truly having fun as, as a girl who's free. Um, as, as you just sit here in this pandemic and you have new music coming out, what is the kind of vibe um, that you've been going for? Because I don't think that you exist in a genre. So what's yeah. the vibe that you're going for? Well, that's actually really interesting. I feel like you hit the nail on the head in terms of what I'm trying to achieve with this project in particular. And I suppose my music in the past has always kind of had that thread of like, it just makes you feel like a bad bitch when you listen to it. And I think that that's like what I like to be able to, that's the energy I like to embody on stage, the energy I want to give to my fans. Um, But this project in particular is like purposely supposed to bring joy. I think during lockdown, just being stuck in the house, not being able to get out and do the things that I had planned for the year I was planning on going on tour, had to completely cancel that and uh, just kind of like decompress, spend a lot more time with myself, with my thoughts. And I, and I thought, you know, I want to hear music that energizes me, that makes me feel hopeful for the future. Cause right now, like I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, I need something that motivates me, gives me that energy, gives me that, uh, that makes me want to get up and dance and like move my body. And so that was really purposeful in, in terms of like how I chose the beats and how I chose the production for this album. And I did a lot of stuff that was up tempo that would like really kind of put you on your feet and get you, get you moving. Cause I realized that that was, I think at least what I really needed and was craving. And I thought maybe you know, my fans are just like to be a part of the universe as a creative. I think we have a certain level of responsibility to be aware of, of the energies we're putting out, you know? For sure. And what energies people need to receive. I totally appreciate that. I, I wanted to piggyback on Zerlina's question and ask you more about music genres in general, because you want to get rid of them. And I love <laughs> that. And it's also not something that I have thought about, I think nearly enough. Like I always knew that we would use this R&B label to pigeonhole black artists, but it never occurred to me that the entire labeling of music genres in general was detrimental to appreciating music and like the artists themselves. So so talk a little bit about like what led you to, to realize that that needed to be the next evolution. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there are, there's way more examples of that as well. Like whether it be um, like, 
I guess, hip hop and rap, like things getting considered rap kind of right off the bat or things getting considered hip hop right off the bat. R&B is another example of them. But they're historically, I think, genre was created based on a lot of, you know, literal segregation in music. And at the time, like black artists having a space to be able to like release their music and, and over the years, how it's evolved into into these genres, I think we see kind of the, I suppose, after effects or not even necessarily the after effects, but like the current effects. Like there's so many instances, I think, in, in recent times of artists who make music that is debatably not R&B getting placed in these R&B categories and getting placed in, you know, I'm not sure rap categories when they like literally don't rap, they kind of actually <laughs> sing. So there's a lot of overlap, I think. And we don't talk about enough how much I think it can be detrimental to the creative process when artists limit themselves in that way. And a lot of the times I think people do limit their sound because of strategic reasons. You know, there's certain platforms, there's certain playlistings, there's certain spaces where you expect to hear certain types of music. And in order to be a part of that, you kind of start catering to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that the world would just be a lot more interesting. The sonic landscape would be a lot more interesting if we at least had way more diversity in terms of genre and way more... um, yeah, I would like to ultimately just kind of abolish them because I think we can categorize music in other ways, personally. The algorithms are, are nuanced now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also because we can so self-select what we want to listen to and make our own playlists. It's like, mm-hmm. nobody is paying attention to genre. Like, it's just yeah. like, I like this song. I don't even know who sings it sometimes, you know, like, and then you get into uh, artists from other countries and then it. you're like what is a genre I don't know Um, and I think that that as a music listener has always been my experience I listen to all sorts of different types of music and that's been how it's you know ever since I started becoming a fan of music I've listened to all different types and I think that's so true of even like the younger generations like we're more and more becoming a melting pot of different genre styles and, and less about labels and I think that it's important to kind of continue that energy and carry on those ideas through through music one of the things that you've done with your career which I think um for sort of the next generation coming up is something I've seen more artists do which is put out your own shit (laughs) um on your own sort of terms um promote it yourself do it yourself now that is harder whether you're talking about in the context of music or you know self-publishing a book or whatever but I feel like I've always respect artists that do that because they understand that they've made this for the consumers, not the record label. They're not making it for the record label. You're making it for the people who like your music. So, I mean, what what's the moment where you decide, like, fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm doing it myself. Yeah, I think it was, it, it wasn't like one moment that I made that decision. It was a long, it wasn't an easy decision to make. So it definitely kind of came over the course of maybe a year or two years where I was just feeling very just uneasy about that relationship. I felt like where I was in my record label, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I wasn't feeling, I, the biggest, probably biggest red flag for me was I didn't feel like I had the confidence that I once had in my, in my art. Like I would write a song and I would all of a sudden be like, eh, you know, the other people probably have better ideas than me. And I think that that was kind of a very insidious over the course of many years, 
working with these like big time artists or producers and, and, and having the response be always kind of lukewarm for the songs that I would create on my own and way more energized, excited, like the, the ball would get moving for like these other songs. So I think I would be like, okay, well, that must mean something over the course of a lot of years. And, and it definitely started to deteriorate my confidence as a songwriter, as a producer, as an artist. And, and that I think was, like I said, what kind of alerted me that, okay, this isn't, this isn't okay. Like it's one thing to be frustrated with, you know, your rollouts or like little things like that. Or, but once you realize how it's like kind of affecting your mental health or like your self image, you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. So it felt like I just had to move on from that relationship. And it was something that I, at the time felt like instinctually, this is what I have to do. So I wasn't too scared, but it was uncertain. Um, I, I knew that that was the direction I needed to go. It felt right but I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how I was going to make it happen, how I was going to find the budgets, how I was going to be able to like connect the dots. And um, over the course of however long I've been independent now, a year and a half, two years almost, um, I've learned a lot. I think I've gotten way better. Like I've gained that <laughs> confidence back. I'm like, and I think my fans can tell the difference. I think that the output and the, and the, and the material that I've been giving them over the past couple of years really shows that I have kind of achieved that again, or like been able to build that up again. So mm-hmm. that's really happy. That like makes me really happy. That feels really good. And it feels like every conversation that we're having right now comes down to like, you got to give people the autonomy to make the decisions about their own careers based on what, like, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, yeah. you're going to have better creative expression. You're going to have healthier people when you have control over, over how you do that. So I I read this interview where you talked, you responded about um, just being consistently called underrated. Like that's just a thing that regularly comes up with you. And your response was so good. It was about letting go of metrics of success. And in this particular moment, like, I think that, I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. Like all of our normal metrics of success are kind of gone. So we have to evaluate how well we're doing based on something else. So, so my question is how, how should we do that? How did you do that? How do we do it? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think also to consider that the way that we do maybe achieve any type of metric of success is also skewed. Like when we look at the algorithms and we look at, you know, how people are receiving information, the types of information they're receiving, you realize that a lot of this isn't necessarily like it's just it, it'll get really convoluted if you start focusing on like numbers, charts, sales, um, your position amongst the majority. Like when you start comparing yourself to other people, that's absolutely the worst possible thing that you can do because we all are on our own individual journeys. And for me, it was it was it was looking at it from a different perspective. It was taking myself out of this kind of victim mentality and it's not totally a victim because at the same time you realize that okay maybe there are instances where like I feel like I have been underrated or overlooked and and that can be valid for sure but I think when you embody that energy of you know I'm you know what what was me um this could have been what this could have been so much better or 
you know, I think that that's when it starts to, again, like just deteriorate your mental health, your self-image. It's so important to protect that. Like that's everything in terms of being able to keep going, have a long-term career. So for me, it's just about zooming out, looking at the bigger picture, realizing that I am like living the dream in a sense. Like I, I'm, Mm. it's about having gratitude. It's about understanding that I can still be impactful and still like live my truth and my purpose while doing this on my own. And, and that's really empowering for me. So I think it's all about like zooming out and and having gratitude and, and not just getting lost in, in, in the competition, the rat race, if you will. Yeah. I I feel like the competition thing is so real. And I think that as women, we're sort of put in that box. I mean, especially in music, there's always like some cat fight between two artists who like half the time you find out later, they didn't even know each other. They never even met oh, yeah. in person, but apparently they, like, they're like, you know, enemies uh, or like so-and-so is dating so-and-so. And then you find out no one even knows each other. No one in the story has ever even met, but there's a whole story um, that people have made up. Um, do you think that in the industry itself, since we're sort of in this moment where I feel like women are supporting other women, like women are actually showing up for each other in all different areas. Is that happening in music? Because music is one of those places where it's competitive. Yeah, I think it's starting to happen more and more. I think that that's really exciting. We see a lot of new female artists that are doing amazing. Um, Like in rap and hip hop, especially, there's so many like amazing new female rappers, R&B as well. There's a lot of just like really amazing new artists. And so I think that that's really exciting. I think that that means we're headed in a, in a, in the right direction, as well as female producers and engineers. That's something that I've really been hoping to see my whole career. And I've seen such a, such a, such a limited amount of, of women um, in those positions. So it's, it's nice to be able to see those changes happening, but you know, it, it, it always is very slow and incremental. I think we could do better. I think we still have a long way to go. I think a lot of it, like you kind of touched on, isn't necessarily our fault. A lot of it is just kind of the way that um, society has kind of made it for for centuries, for decades, where we've had to kind of fight for certain positions, certain seats at the table, because there just weren't enough for us. And now that I think that these things are changing and, and we are, you know, trying to find some type of like oneness and togetherness, it's just like really important that we keep keep working towards those goals and keep fighting for those things. In this vein, I wanted to ask you about Britney Spears because of course you collaborated with her uh, five years ago. And and just what is it like to know her, to have worked with her, to have seen her work ethic up close and, and now to watch this story play out? Is it kind of gratifying that it's out from behind the walls or are you just hurting for your friend? Or both. You know, when I was able to be around her, every instance that I worked with her was just so full of joy and so pure. And I really feel like she was in such a beautiful space. Like when we were working on the set, there's something about Brittany that like she comes to life when she's in front of a camera. She comes to life when she's on a stage. Like she is truly a star like absolutely a star. So to be able to like witness that, like every time that I worked with her, like two times on stage in rehearsal and then, you know, at the music video shoot. And she was just like, blew me away every time, just be in her presence. And and she's so amazing. And, and it's so clear why she is who she is. So, you know, I think 
one thing about Brittany that we all love is, is, is she seems so sweet. So to see her kind of seem very empowered and like kind of speak her truth and come into her power, that just like seems really great. And, you know, obviously I'm definitely rooting for her all the way. I've been a Brittany fan forever. Forever. Ever be. <laughs> no, I mean, it, like it, it'll never, it'll never end. Um, so one of the things that I did early on in quarantine, I, I told Justice is that I, I had to get a routine together. Like a, the first couple of weeks, I was like, I don't know what's happening. Like we have a morning radio show. And at the time I didn't have another thing in the afternoon. I just like, I would be done at 9am. Like, well, I can't go outside. Um, <laughs> so then, so then I had to like put stuff on my schedule and one of, so I put Jojo and then I, you did like in the beginning of lockdown, you did dance classes where yeah. you do therapy and I cannot dance. Like, this is not a thing that I, is, I am good at currently. Um, but I found sort of the freedom in quarantine to like tune into some of those, yes. um, those dance rehearsals and like no one's here. Cause there's no male gaze. This is my dad's here. Um, but, um, like there's no male gaze. So it was just like, you know, I could do whatever I want. I was fully free. Um, you you dance like there's no one looking at you but also as if you want someone to look how do you do you know what I mean like how do you do that because like for me I want to feel free and like pretend no one's watching but like I know people are yeah you know I, I think that's just that comes from years of it being like my outlet in order to like express myself I started training and dance when I was four years old, I started taking class. So for me, that was always a way that I was able to perform. Like I love to perform. So that's just like another level of how I can tap into that that's inside of me and, and able to express and able to kind of like put on this like performance, this show and like share that with like an audience. I've always loved that. So um, yeah, I think as, as my career has evolved and I've been able to incorporate dance into my art and my movement, I think it's so fun for me to be able to share that with other people. Cause I do think it's so important and underrated, like to just be able to be free to dance, to move our bodies, to have fun. Like it unlocks so much like serotonin in our brains when it yeah. happens. So to like give people any type of confidence or like motivation to get involved and interested in dance, it's always been something that I've loved. Like when I came on the scene, like people were not dancing on stage or their music videos. Like there was this weird kind of period of time where it was kind of uncool. Um, right. And so I'm excited to see it coming back a bit and uh, to kind of like, of course, just to be a part of that for for anyone who just wants to dance. Dancing is awesome. All my favorite yeah. artists danced. Like Michael, Brittany, Janet, like Beyonce. Oh, you're a triple awesome. threat. No, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm glad that Zerlina honed in on that because I get the same thing from watching it. I think it's the smiling. Like you <laughs> smile when you're dancing by yourself and you can be dancing, you know, extremely sexy, but you're smiling. You're It's like, it's like a joyful sexuality. It's like... Yeah. That's, That's kind of so radical. Sad. Like you don't usually get it to is see radical. That. <laughs> it's Thank you. it's extremely cool. So I'm I like how have you been able to navigate that sort of like owning of your sexuality, like not denying it, but also not letting anybody else co-opt it? Like how do you do that in the music industry? You know what? I feel like the way I am able to be the most confident and empowered in my sexuality is through my art and through my performance and when I'm on stage like I just feel so powerful and beautiful and feminine and like sexy and cool and that 
is something that I want to be able to like wrap up in a bottle and like sell people or like carry around with me. I would buy it. Everywhere okay. that I go because it's it's really special and 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 it's hard sometimes to continue that energy through everything that I do but I definitely like when it comes to my art that's how I'm able to express that like feminine energy that power because yeah in my day-to-day life I'm like so low-key I'm like sometimes I, I feel like I could like bring her out a little bit more but you know it's it's just cool that we're able to again we have a lot of nuance to us. Like we're human beings. So there's, there's time and place where we're able to express certain parts of ourselves. And then we're able to, you know, just kind of, I guess, have all these different juxtapositions. And and that's like, cool. That's like what makes life interesting. I guess. Yeah. Everybody's got a Samantha in them. That's what exactly. Exactly. I love that. No, I, so the new album is 333. Am I saying that right? Is it 333? And I just want to thank you so much, both for giving us like joy during the last year and for owning your own, because that's exactly the kind of energy that we need right now. Tinashe, thank you so much for being here. This has been thank just you so for much having fun. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Great. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.